0: Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that it is true. It's always on time. Thank you, Father, for teaching us all about Jesus, teaching us all about the finished work of Jesus. Thank you for uh, just changing people's hearts. Father, people may have come in without hope. God, thank you for filling them with hope, a confident expectation of good as they leave this place. You are always faithful. You are always good. And you are always on time. We love you. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name church say amen all right the great great supper we're gonna go right into it here Uh, Luke 14 verse 16 and then he said to him a certain man gave a great supper and invited many a great supper what makes a supper great anybody know (laughs) that's true (laughs) there are specific food groups that make a supper great Uh, But this is the Lord Jesus. He's actually given a parable. And I want you to see exactly what he's talking about here. A supper is great because of what it cost. He could have just said supper. And also notice that it says a certain man gave. Man, this thing is quick. A certain man gave a great supper. Not that he just made one. He gave. Say gave. He gave a great supper. This certain man, this master is a representation of God the Father. And Jesus is telling this story. And I want you to see uh, that a supper is great because of what it costs. God gave a great supper. And he says great for a specific reason. If you go to John 6, 35, you see, and Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. What kind of food is that? What kind of bread is that where you'll never hunger again? What kind of drink is that where you'll never thirst again? It's a great supper. Amen? And so I want you to see that God actually gave the great supper. His name is Jesus. So this is a beautiful picture. This great supper is a beautiful picture of what God did for us when he gave us Jesus, the bread of life and the everlasting drink. Amen? All right, let's go back. Verse 17. And sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. The servant here is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is never mentioned by name. Remember Joseph, the story of Joseph, he had a, a servant that he sent to see his brothers. That servant was never had a name, it just didn't have a name. He didn't have a name. So the servant is the unnamed servant is always a representation of the a representation of the Holy Spirit. Because the, ser- the Holy Spirit will never draw attention to himself he'll always put it on Jesus. Amen? So this servant here is the Holy Spirit that God is saying, sending a message through, right? And notice it says, uh, all, all those who were invited, invited to this great supper, right? He says, come for all things are now ready. Now that should make us all stop for a second. If all things are now ready, is there anything for you to do? All things are now ready. All you have to do is come and sit and rest and receive. That's it. All things I put If all things are ready, you don't have to you don't come to give, you come to receive. Now that's exactly how we should approach Christianity today. Because of what Christ did for us, there's nothing we can do. There's nothing we can bring. There's something that we can receive. God doesn't need anything from you. He wants to give you the best that heaven had to offer. Jesus, that's what the supper is all about. None of that is about you. It's all about Jesus and what he did for you. Are you with me? So when there's a great feast, God prepared a table, and he invited everybody to come, there's nothing for you to do except to receive. You know why? Because it says all things. You say it, all things are now ready that's your salvation that's your holiness that's your justification that's your healing all those things are at that table and they're now ready doesn't say to do anything they're now ready that means you come eat and enjoy amen Who I love that oh so guess what people are gonna throw out excuses all the time right so this is what they did. But they all, with one accord, began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. Who in their right mind goes and buys land before they see it? Does that make any sense? <laughs> That's an excuse. Right? You don't purchase land unless you see it. All right. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen. And I am going to test them. Would you buy a car without test driving it? Wait, 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 wait. Because that's what an oxen is. It's like a car to them, right? I'm going to go buy that because it's going to work for them. It's like getting a tractor or a lawnmower. And, and you go to buy it without, you don't know what's going on with those things. You first would go and inspect them before you bought them, right? So that's clearly an excuse. Amen? All right. Uh, uh, still another said, I have married a wife and therefore I can't come. Now that one, <laughs> that one I can kind of understand. <laughs> it's still an excuse. Amen. <laughs> I used to hate with my boy. We have a boy's day, right? And they, man, I can't go. My girl said, I can't go. I'm like, What? Tell her who you are. Right? And then I got a girlfriend. I was like, girl, I can't come because my girl said. <laughs> you don't understand unless you've been there. Amen? Yeah. She in there? Whew. <laughs> Whew. Thank you, Jesus. All right. So three excuses. Let's keep going. So, so, the, so that the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house being angry. Now, if the master is represented by God, what makes God angry? In this story, Jesus is telling this story. What makes God angry? We, we should want to know that. Is it because because you you sin all the time? Is it because you're disobedient all the time? No. In the context of this story, you know what made God angry? Is these people were not ready to receive stuff that's been done for them. When you reject the full payment, the full pr- when you reject the supper, it makes God angry. You know what? Because you're rejecting Jesus, the great supper. Amen? That's why he was angry. So he says, go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in here the poor, the maimed, and the lame, and the blind. That's a picture of all of us. Poor in spirit. Yes? We've We've all been maimed. We've all been hurt. But, hey, babe, have you heard anything since you left? Okay, good. We've all been maimed at some point. Anybody been burned sometimes by people, circumstances? Lame, lame. That's your walk of faith. You've been lame, right? Blind, 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 blind. If you're blind, you can't see what God is truly doing for you. Anybody been there? Because you're not walking by faith, but by sight. Look. He says, and the servant said, master, it is done as you commanded. And still there is room. Of course there's room. There's plenty of room at God's table. Plenty of room. But you know what stopped all them excuses. I got to go do this. I got to go do that. I ain't got time for that. I ain't got time for that. That's, there's still room. There's always room at the table. Then the master said to the servant, go out into the highways and the hedges and compel. Say compel compel them to come in that my house may be filled for I say to you that none of these men who were invited shall taste my supper now I've heard this message preached before and it was condemning to me it's like man you make excuses about not coming to church you make excuses about not reading your Bible you make excuses for why you sin and God won't let you come to the table that is not what this is saying this is saying when you reject the full payment when you reject the supper You are choosing to not come to the table. He says they shall not taste it. It's not because God didn't offer it. He offered it. He invited everybody. And they chose not to believe the finished work of Jesus. And and therefore they, they, they can't taste the supper. Are you with me? Compelled by love. Literally, that word compelled there and compelled them to come in, the compelled there is the word force. Like you force them by love. Like you won't have a choice but to see the Father's love. He's giving you everything at the table. Everything. Everything you need that pertains to this life, the Bible says you have. Doesn't it? I have all things that pertain to this life. How do we have that? Because of what Christ did. And so God gave you everything at the table. There's nothing you bring. You remember he said, all is now ready. You come to that table and uh, and you and you have it out and you have it all. And once you see that all things are now ready, all things are complete, your salvation, your justification, your peace, your the Bible says we have the mind of God, right? The peace of God. You have all that, the healing, we're healed by his stripes. The moment you, you see all that on the table, you can't help but love the Lord. Because you feel his love. You're forced. You're compelled by his love. His love. Not what you do. His love. Bible says you want to repent. Here's how you do it. It's the goodness of God that leads men to repent. It's not the badness of man. It's not the sinfulness of man that's going to get you to repent. And people try to hammer you up here on stage sometimes. All across this world right now, Sunday, people are preaching a message of condemnation to try to get you to come down here and repent. And I'm telling you, the Bible says, stand up here and tell them how good God is, and then they'll repent. Because they'll be compelled by love and not guilt and shame. If you had a spouse that compelled you by guilt and shame, how long would that last? If you had a parent who who parented with guilt and shame, how long would that relationship last? Why do we attribute that to our Father in heaven who loves us? Amen? He loves us. Come to the table, all things are now ready, and enjoy. And you're compelled by love, his love for you. You can't love him without first understanding his love for you. I can tell you right now, you got to love God. You got to love God. You got to love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. The Bible says it, bam. Click or drop. I hope it's all right. Right? The Bible says that. But none of us can do that. None of us can do that. Has anyone ever done that? With all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. Anybody ever done that? No. You know why? Because you can't. He's talking about that's the, that's the like, the rule. But you know what? Someone did love God with all their heart. You know who that was? Jesus. And he took your place. Amen? Amen? So you come to that table, all things are now ready. You come, sit, rest, receive from the Lord. That's all we can do. Whoo! Y'all learning? Compelled by love, baby. So an Old Testament version of that great supper is found in in 1 Samuel. David is now king, right? King Saul is dead. Jonathan is dead. They lost their life in battle. Uh, David is now king, right? You with me? But I want you to see a kind of a backstop. John, It says this in, uh, in 1 Samuel 18. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. David and Jonathan made a covenant, a blood covenant, because David loved Jonathan as if his own soul, right? I want you to see in this story, we'll get to it in just a second, but I want you to see that, that, that everything is about Jesus. When Jesus was on the road to Damascus, or Emmaus. Sorry. He's on the road to Emmaus. And he's telling those two disciples, everything in scripture that pertain to me. Everything in scripture is about Jesus. Do you believe that? We've seen it here. Yes. That's what she would say. Yes. You did it for it. <laughs> so, First uh, Samuel 20. So Jonathan said to David, whatever you yourself desire, I will do it for you. Now. I'm going to show you that David represents God in this story. David means beloved. God, beloved. Jonathan, is his name literally means the gift of God. Who's that? Jesus. David represents uh, God in this story, the beloved. Jonathan, whose name means the gift of God, represents Jesus. All things are about Jesus. And then Saul represents humanity. Saul is uh, the house of the flesh. Saul was a king, but not picked by God. Picked by man, right? But God couldn't make a covenant with man. You know why? You know why God doesn't make a covenant with us? Because we'll break it by noon. By 8 o'clock in the morning. Amen? So God can't make a covenant with us. When he made the covenant with Abraham, guess what? He caused Abraham to fall asleep. Because Abraham couldn't keep his part. So God kept both parts. When he walked in between those cut up animals. Amen? <laughs> There's a reason why Jesus died between two thieves. In the Old Testament, you cut up animals. You put half of it on this side, half of it on that side. And you walk through it in the middle. And you meet, you shake hands. It's a blood covenant. That's what God did with Abraham. It's a blood covenant. Now that was if you wanted to buy like a piece of land too back in the day. Right? You're a realtor. How would you like to do that today? (laughs) And you shake. You meet in the middle. Meaning that if you break your half of the covenant, may you end up like this animal. Okay? It was serious business. So God made a covenant with Abraham, but the Bible says God called Abraham to fall asleep, and God walked through it and made a covenant. Right? Well, when Jesus died on the cross, Jesus died between two thieves. Right? Right? And God was making a covenant with Jesus, the perfect man, because you can't make it with anybody else. We'll fail. God knew that. If God knows you're going to fail and you fail, you got to expect it, right? But you also got to expect that God knew it and he still loves you. That's why Jesus came. He, it doesn't catch him by surprise when you mess up. He doesn't spank you with the heavenly paddle when you mess up. He says, get up. My son died for that. Let's keep moving. Don't condemn yourself with guilt and shame. It's not for you. My son took it. Don't take that off the table. Amen? Of the great feast. So uh, this, if you think about Jonathan representing uh, Jesus and David, when do you remember Jesus saying to God, whatever you desire, I will do it for you. Remember in the garden where he said, nevertheless, not my will be done, but your will be done. Amen. All right. So we go back to 2 Samuel 9 where this is is happening. All right. This is the the finishing part of our our story here. Then King David, then then the king said, is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? The word kindness there is kaset, It's where we get our word mercy. Grace, right? And Ziba, 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 Ziba. And Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. David wanted to bless them, man. He wanted to bless Jonathan. He wanted to bless Jonathan. So so what he had to do was he had to find a, a relative of Jonathan because they all, he thought they were all dead. He thought they were all dead and, and there was nobody left. But he had a heart for Jonathan okay um as he said again Jonathan who is lame in his feet oh yeah so so uh there's this 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 uh child of Jonathan who is lame in his legs because at birth uh they found out that David was coming back to the castle and they thought they were going to kill everybody that David because Saul tried to kill David over and over and over again and and so the people his family thought oh god he's coming back to get us now right and so in the midst of that uh, the babysitter the, ran out with this, this son of Jonathan and dropped him. Dropped him. And, 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 and he, unfortunately, was lame in his feet from then on. Okay, So that's, that's where he got lame in his feet. Um, it was out of fear. So David is a picture of God. I said that. Jonathan is a picture of Jesus. Here's the Hebrew for uh, Jehovah has given. It literally means God's gift amen that's his name Uh, Saul is a picture of humanity we got that already all right look at John 1 14 and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth but you see where it says the word became flesh the word became flesh so Saul was flesh Saul represents humanity Jonathan represents Jesus. Jesus the, had to become flesh. The word had to become flesh. Right? And so God made a covenant with, with man, yes. But it was the perfect man that he made a covenant with. So that that perfect man could represent us. You don't have to be perfect to be qualified. Amen? Your, 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 your imperfections, in fact, qualify you. That's different, yeah? Then the king said, is there not someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, there is a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. Uh, so the king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, indeed he is in the house of Mashir, the son of Emile in Lodabar. Lodabar. it's a nightclub over there on 6th Street. <laughs> Bobby, you've been there. low the bar now how many of you guys know there's meaning in Hebrew what does low the bar mean the bar is word the bar is, is a word but it also means pasture low means no right don't use that on me low 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 Lodabar. So where is this cat at? He's in Lodabar. Well, Lodabar means no pasture, no word. He's in a place where there's no word from God. You remember the Bible says that he makes me lie down in green pastures. That's where God wants you. Green, growing, flowing pastures. But beside the still waters, right? But this guy is in a place where there's no word from God. Lodabar. See, not a pasture and uh, the, the root words are word of God. The word Debar is actually word and pasture. When you put low next to it, it's no pasture. You with me? All right. all right. Then King David sent and brought him out to the house of Meshire, the son of Emil, from Lodabar. Now, when Mephi, that's his name? Mephi Boseph. Be- We're going to call him Matty B., Matty B, dude, I have that phone out, right? Blue letter, Bible. y'all got it? And you can hit the, the uh, concordance and this like 98-year-old white guy comes on there. But it's a bad, and I'm like, I can't even understand you, dude. <laughs> so we're going to call him Matty B. Matty B, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David. He fell on his face and prostrated himself. Then David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, here is your servant. Now, this cat... The reason he went to Lodabar, a place of no word, is because he was afraid of David. He thought David was out to kill him because of his grandfather. But what he didn't understand was David, the king, God, was coming in this story, was coming to bless him. Not kill him, bless him, right? But he didn't know that. So when he fell down prostrate, what the Bible doesn't tell you is he peed himself. Wouldn't you? If you thought you were going to die right there. Amen? You're like, Troy, you got to stop reading the Bible that way. But I want you to see, that it didn't happen just like this. These are real people, real emotions. You got to picture someone that ran so far away and, 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 and was held up in a house. He's lame. He doesn't. All he knows is his grandfather tried to kill David, and now David's after him. Would you be a little scared? There's a lot of people in this world that think God's out to get them. There's a lot of people that are afraid because they think God is out to get them for what they have done. Amen? These stories are not in, just, not in Scripture just for the heck of it. Not, it's not just for, there's truth in these Scriptures because this Bible is still relevant today. All right, so David said to him, Do not fear. The first words out of King David's mouth is do not fear. This is God. This is a picture of God yes the first words out of God is always do not fear do not fear amen now, how many of us fear God well, you, you gotta fear God no you can respect God that's what that means you don't fear him out of the sense of of he's gonna get you he put all that on Jesus amen God is no longer out to get you people He's no longer out to get the world. The world's sin is paid for. They just don't know who paid for it. And they're not going to know who paid for it when you keep telling them to look at their sin. Instead of telling people to look at their sin and check themselves, tell them to look at the Savior and check him out. Because when you look at yourself, you're going to find imperfections, amen? When you look at your Savior, there's nothing imperfect about him. And he represents you. And he loves them. Lost people are everywhere. I don't know why I keep pointing to Hitchcock's. (laughs) But I love it says, do not fear. Right? For I will surely show you kindness. For whose sake? It says Jonathan. But in this story, God's saying, hey, don't fear me. I'm going to show you mercy for Jesus' sake. Because he paid for it. He did a perfect work. My son went to the cross for you. My son loves you. My son paid for you. My son made you holy. My son made you righteous. And I'm going to bless you for his sake. Because all glory should go to him. You look at you, you see glory. You look at him, you see glory. T-shirt. Sound like Adrian Harper, don't. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Jesus. I don't know what that was, but you're welcome. <laughs> uh, oh, and oh, oh! Not only is he going to give you mercy, Church. What's he going to do? I will restore to you all the land of Saul. How much land did Saul have when he was king? Pfft. Pfft. All of it. All of it. Not only does he show you mercy when you don't deserve it, he gives you all things back. He restores to you double. He's a double portion restorer. Amen? This Now, now don't forget, Matty B thought he was going to get killed. But what does he get instead? Yeah, man, he got everything. All things are now ready. Check this out, man. And you shall eat bread at my table. Say it continually. You you will be at my table forever, eating my bread that I provided. Is there anything Matty B had to do? Is there anything he had to say? Did he bring anything? You know what he brought? His lameness. His imperfections, that's what he brought. And this so moved him, he was compelled by the love of David. We should be compelled by the love of our father. For Jesus' sake, there's nothing you can do. Stop trying to pay for your sins. Stop trying to beg God to forgive you for your sins. If you're in Christ, they're forgiven. Instead of begging them, saying, God, please forgive me, say, God, thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the final payment. Thank you that it's not on me. Thank you. Your covenant's not with me. Your covenant is with your son who represents me. Oh, I kicked the oil. That's not good. Just joking. Don't think that you kick the oil and you go to hell, okay? it's not how it works. All right, y'all ready? So Matthew, Matty B. dwelt in Jerusalem. Uh, for he ate continually at the king's table. And he was lame in, in both his feet. He was lame in both of his feet. All, both of them. All to both of them. You know what that tells me? You can come to the father's table and get everything you want, everything you need is there, even though you're lame. Even though you're imperfect. There's no perfect people on their own at the table. Because there are none perfect. All have fallen short of the glory of God. Amen? Stop trying to get perfect. Stop trying to get right. Receive that someone made you right. And come to the table. And be there continually even though you're still going to mess up. You're still going to mess up. You're still going to fall. But you know what? It doesn't disqualify you from coming to the table. You have to understand that, church. It took me years, decades, to understand that. Because I would punish myself. You know what happens when you punish yourself for your failures? You take Jesus off the cross, and you put yourself back there. By the way, Jesus is off the cross, which is why we can say we're qualified, even though we fail. Amen? So what about repentance? Well, people got to repent. You still got to repent. You can't just receive from the Lord. You still got to repent. You got to confess your sins, right? In order to be righteous, you got to confess them. If you don't confess them, God's not going to forgive them. And then and, and you might die one day and you'll go to hell even though you tried to be a Christian. Has anybody heard that message? Doesn't that make you want to come, doesn't that compel you by love or does it compel you by fear? Why? Because you don't want to die and go to hell. Right? So that can't be it. So if repentance is so important, why didn't Paul mention it one time in 13 letters? Don't, don't you think Paul would have said something about it? So people did repent when Paul preached. My favorite sermon is one done by a by Paul and it's found in Acts 13 but he doesn't remit, he doesn't mention repenting. Repenting all it means is changing your mind. Amen. It doesn't mean confess your sins. How many of you guys used to think repenting means confess your sin? Yeah. The, the actual word is metanoia, change your mind. Change your mind about God. That's it. I used to think that I had to confess in order to be forgiven, but now I confess because I'm forgiven. See, now I'm thankful. Over here, I'm scared. Over here, I'm thankful. Amen? All right, look what Paul says here. He wraps up. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man, say through this man, is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. This man, through Jesus, is preached to you, proclaimed to you, heralded to you the forgiveness of sins. Right? And by him, say by him. Everyone who believes is justified from how many things? All things from which you could not be justified by your actions. That's what it means. People under the law, you were judged based on how you kept that law. Could anybody keep the law? Nope. Jesus could. Jesus made it. Right? The law is only one person could do that. David couldn't do it. Nobody could do it. Moses couldn't do it. Jesus could. That's why he came. So instead of trying to be justified by what you do, you're justified by the blood of Jesus. These are the first two elements at the table, man. You come to the table, this is what God wants you to know. You're forgiven and you're justified. And you're justified. From from how many things? Just what you did today? No. All things. Past, present, future. You think that God doesn't know that you're going to fail tomorrow? We're in this world. We're not of it, but we're in it. And it's a fallen world. We're going to mess up. Just me? Anybody else going to mess up? Yeah. But listen, it's okay. It doesn't mean that you're going to try and mess up. I'm not for going out there and purposely doing it. I'm telling you that when you do do it, you got to know you're forgiven. Because if you don't, you're going to condemn yourself. You're going to... Take what's already been given to Jesus. Don't live like that, man. I live like that for way too long. I'm free. Amen? So are you. All right, so there's repentance. Boom. Uh, look at this. 1 Corinthians 11:24. 24. You remember said, through this man and by him? Had nothing to do with you, right? Through this man and by him. Check this out. Jesus said, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for? You, do this in remembrance of you? Him, through him, by him. Remember him, right? In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. New covenant, church. New covenant. That means there was an old covenant, but now that old covenant's gone. The Bible says that Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to those who believe. Do you believe in Jesus? Then The law is ended Full stop. So, new covenant, this do also, uh, this do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. See, church, you can't, before we do communion, you can't like remember your sin and get right before you come down here. You cannot get right on your own. Christ made you right. You come down here in him, through him, by him. For him, remember him. I'm not going to sit here and say, Remember your sin, confess your sin, get you all sin focused. That's not what it says. Jesus says, As often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me, not you. You will waste your time trying to get right before you come down here. I wasted many years believing that. But it says, Remember him. And what about him? What did he do? Well, the blood represents the new covenant. That's talking about the cross. Right? His body broken. That's talking about the road to the cross. His body's not broken anymore, church. Amen? He's not bleeding out anymore, church. You know why? He's alive today. You know why he's alive? He rose to justify you. That's what Romans says. He died for our forgiveness but then it says he rose for our justification. That means if you're in Christ right now where you sit, you are justified from all things. I, that's good news, church. That's the gospel. Last verse. What about holiness? You got to get right. You got to get wisdom. Come down here. You got to be holy. Come down here. You got to be righteous. Come down here. You got you to sanctify yourself. Well, let me just show you. All that stuff, you already are. 1 Corinthians one but of him, Jesus, what does it say? You will be, you need to be, you are in Christ Jesus, who became for who church? Make a personal for me, for us, all of us, Christ became for us. What wisdom from God and righteousness. If someone says, Hey, you got to get right before you come down. I'm already right. You know how I know that? I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm right because of Christ, not because of me. So he's all right. You already are righteous. And sanctification, that's the same word used for holiness. You, somebody say you got to be more holy. You got to get holy. You got to separate yourself from the world. You already are holy. How do I know that? Are you reading it? Because if you're in Christ, he became your holiness. And redemption. You have been bought back. You are redeemed by the blood of Jesus. You're, you're not trying to be. You are. So you know what stops people from enjoying the table? The great supper? is people always in the back of your mind. Your mind automatically goes back to the flesh. You see yourself. When clearly we just saw, who do you need to be paying attention to? Jesus. Remember me. Through him by him, all things. So when you come to this table and you hold the cracker, guys, if you got, I don't know who's coming down, but if y'all can go ahead and come down. If, if, when you hold that cracker, you are not begging God. You're not going, God, please heal me. You're not going, if you're and if you're standing in the gap for somebody, you're not saying, God, please heal them. You're, you're speaking out by faith. You're saying, God, thank you for their healing being paid by Jesus. And you start speaking out by faith. And you start to see it in the supernatural. Not in the natural. You walk by faith. By sight you see sick people. By faith you say they are healed in the name of Jesus. And that's hard to say. It's easy up here, man, when you're feeling like the Holy Spirit is speaking through you. But man, when you're holding someone you love and they're going through something, that's the rubber meets the road right there, yeah? And and we automatically revert back to God, please, God. You'll even be You'll even say something like, let me take their place and mean it. But our first thought should be, God, they are healed. They're healed, and you're speaking it out by faith. Don't go by what you've seen. Speak it out by faith. So hold that cracker boldly when it comes in this morning. Just hold it boldly, and we're saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for what you've done for me. Already, it's already done. His body broken. You remember that? This do in remembrance of me. Body, is Christ's body being broken anymore? No. Why? It, the work is finished. He's seated. He's rested. When you rest and focus on that, you start to see stuff manifest. So hold that cracker boldly. Don't beg. Thank. Thank Him. It's done. And listen, if you're not standing again, and you feel like, I don't know, I don't want listen, He knows there might be something there. By faith, you just speak it out. I'm, I'm healed. By his stripes, I am healed. He himself bore my sicknesses and diseases. You start speaking truth out. That's all we can do, church. I tried it the other way. I tried begging. I tried begging for 15 years that my mom would be healed of cancer, right? And and, and she, she finally died. But I know that the moment she died, her last breath here was her first breath with her Savior. And I know at that moment she was completely healed. A, a healing that I could never fathom on this earth. And sometimes we're like, God didn't answer my prayer. God answered their prayer. God answered my mom's prayer. You know why? My mom's not in pain anymore. I mourned. It was hard. But my mom is not in pain anymore. And, and it just came out at a funeral service I was doing where I was just like, man, don't don't long, don't long for my mama to come back. What long to be where she's at? But there's times, church, when, when I remember around December when she passed away. You know, because we we have those those red flags that pop up that try to get us to go back to our old way of thinking. I remember it was right around Christmas, man. I remember being at the end of an aisle on the back of Target and just getting a call from my dad. My dad is so subtle. He goes, I said, hello. He goes, your mom's dead. I was like, what? What? She died. I just remember sitting down on the back. Do you remember that, Kelly? She said my face just turned white. And I sat down on on the back of an end cap. I just couldn't I and mean, it was like, and I know some of you have gotten that call. And it's okay to mourn. Now I mourned, and there's still times when I mourn. But if I were to go, if if I were to have, if God would grant me a five-minute conversation with my mama today here, do you know what my mom would say? And I believe it with all my heart. She'd say, "Hey, son, I'm going back." Because I love it where I'm at. You're going to need some more time because there's still things that God's got going for you. Don't disqualify yourself. Don't get angry with God. I'm right where I want to be. Listen, so many people, I got stopped. You guys think that, and please understand me. If you know me, you know I'm not doing this. Do you think that I can speak for God? Can God use me? Listen, I'm not, I I know it, but there was a time for 15 years where I was so angry at God that I ran. And then I came back and I thought, well, because I ran, I'm not disqualified. There's no way God's going to use me. And one day, Brother Eddie at my old church, the youth pastor left and he said, hey, man, would you consider being a youth pastor? And I said, (laughs) well, do you know me? Do you know what I've done? Like yesterday. What am I doing? I'm disqualifying myself. Why? Because I'm looking at my sin and my failure. I'm not looking at Jesus. My wife even laughed. She's like, (laughs) she might laugh harder. That's another sermon. My point is, church, listen. My mom, if she was standing here today, she would never want to come back to this earth. Not where she's been and is. So I take comfort in that. I know I miss my mother dearly right here. But I know where she's at. And I know she doesn't want to come back. And I should be happy for her where she's at. And I should i should be in a place where I, where I know I'll be there too. But in the meantime, there's stuff for me to do here. And when I say do, I mean like share that message of God's love for people. God's still got a purpose for me. And I know my mom would tell me that. Listen, God told me that that, that he's got a great purpose for you. So if you've lost a loved one, you still have a great purpose. Don't run from it. And don't don't look at your past where you fail. Don't look where you, where you, you have guilt and shame. Don't look there. Look to your Savior. And once you do that, you've got to know that you have a great purpose in this life. You have a great purpose in this life. Are you all ready to eat this cracker? We, we spent 30 minutes, well, maybe 40 minutes, just to get here. There is so much power at this table. This is the great supper. It's not just a cracker. This is the body broken on your behalf. Why was it broken? So that you could be healed. Well, 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 he doesn't heal everybody. No, he does. He does. He doesn't do it the way you think he should, but he does it the way he knows it should be done. Our faith has to be in that. We can't look at him and say, well, he's not fair. Why didn't my mom make it? Why does a criminal, have you ever asked yourself this? A drunk driver doesn't die, but the person he hits dies, and you're like, God, that's jacked up. Why? Why? You know why? Because God's still going to make it work for good. I don't know what it looks like, and it doesn't even feel comfortable saying that. But the Bible says that God makes all things work together for my good. And so you can't look at this world and judge God by what you see in this world. Always judge God faithful. Always know that he knows what's going on more so than you do. And he will make it work. He will make it work. I know my my good friend Papa Bear over here would not be singing in this church if he didn't understand that message. Amen. I know that my favorite 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 nurse over here would not be sitting in this church if she didn't believe that message. Neither would you, right? How many, of you guys needed, how many of you guys have heard stories like that? Let's just keep it real, being transparent, right? Raise your hand if you've heard that growing up and you felt that about God. You felt like judging God. Yeah. So you can see you're not alone. So when you come to this table, this is not begging him. This is This is calling him faithful. That's what that cracker is. He's faithful. Not by what I see, but I'm saying by my faith he's faithful. And God is a great rewarder of faith. Dang, let's eat it.
1: Be I come. Don't have much to offer, holy one. I'm humbled by all. to collide.
0: Hey, I want you to picture yourself at the great supper. Uh, th- th- listen, and, and it was given for you. Say all things. all things. All things. Whatever you can think of right now, whatever you can't think of, doesn't matter. All things are now ready. Whatever you think you need from the Lord, whatever uh, you're asking God for something, maybe. Let me just tell you something. If, if the Bible says all things are now ready, they're all ready. So you come to receive. That's why you receive communion. Communion. Yes? Receive it. Take what is already yours, church. Hold that cracker boldly. All things, all things are now. Hey, I think I put that in there. Can somebody, where'd that clicker go? Good Lord, I don't know what I've done, but my clicker. My clicker. Only because I want you to focus on that, right? All things. I don't want to lose it again, brother. All things. All things. So that's what we're doing. We're at the Great Supper. All things are now ready. All things are now ready. Don't beg for it. Just thank them for it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the broken body of Jesus Christ. Thank you that your word says by his stripes we are healed. Thank you, Father, that he himself, he himself, bore our sicknesses and diseases. And that we walk by faith, not by what we see, but by faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please you. But with faith, you are a great rewarder. So, Father, we thank you for answering the request, the prayers that are being made. Prayers of not, not begging out of guilt, but prayers of thankfulness that your word is in fact true. Every time we eat this cracker, we do not focus on ourselves. We do not focus on where we messed up. We focus on our Savior, who is perfect and who represents me. So as we eat this cracker, we remember the finished work of Jesus. Let the church say, Amen. So, again, another element at the Great Supper is when Paul said that through this man, right, through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. And, And by him you are justified. That's what this represents. This represents Christ's blood being shed one time, one time. By one man, the perfect man, he has justified you if you are in Christ. You know what that means to be justified, church? That means right where you are, you stand in justification. You have been justified from all things by the blood of Jesus. And so when you do it, does it say, remember all the things? Or does it say, remember this? Remember this, the blood that was shed for you, church. Religion has twisted that, man. Religion has twisted it up and made you focus on yourself instead of focusing on your Savior. This great supper is all about the Savior. And let me just tell you something. You are all qualified. Qualified, 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 qualified. I can just do a qualified, 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 (laughs) qualified, qualified, Y'all know I love me some Bobby, boy. That man's got a beautiful testimony, by the way. Beautiful testimony. Qualified by the blood of Jesus. This church is a celebration. That's why you hear laughter. That's why you hear talking during this. And It's not sometime, something where you're supposed to be. Right? And you got to sneeze and you can't. And you try to hold it. and <laughs> That actually happened when I was like in when I was like seven. It's a family thing, guys. It's a it's a beautiful joyous thing when you can remember the finished work of Jesus. He came that you would have life. What is the what what is it that you need to have life? Blood. He came that you would have life and have it more abundant. That's what this represents. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for the shed blood of Jesus. We thank you that Jesus is the perfect one. He is the perfect one who represented me perfectly. Thank you, Father, that that, that you no longer look at my failures. Thank you that your word even says that you will never remember my transgressions. Because you see me covered by the blood of Jesus, the perfect one. And so every time I drink this cup, I don't look at myself. I look at my Savior who covers me, who has justified me, who has made me holy, who has made me righteous. God, thank you for setting people free here this morning. Thank you for them seeing you repenting. So much repentance went on here this morning, Father. Thank you that they have changed their mind about you and that they see you as a loving Father who loves people right where they are. And it's your love that that, that compels them to come to you. The Holy Spirit draws them by your love. Thank you for blessing these people with freedom this morning. Every time we drink this cup, we will remember that that, that, that Christ has finished the work. That we are, in fact, justified by the blood of Jesus. Let Let the church rejoice in saying, Amen. Mm. Mm. did y'all learn something this morning church give Jesus a hand would you stand with me stand with me and give him a hand you know what stand with him you know how we have dinners fancy dinners and we invite politicians we invite people all the time fancy people God says let the the lame come let the blind come And, and when you come to a table and they'll always ask those dignitaries to stand up and what does everybody do right If you'll do that for a man, how much more should we show appreciation for Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior? Love him, compelled by love. So I'm going to bring Pastor D up. He's going to pray us out of here. Um, I want you guys to understand if you we we do things differently here, like, duh, doesn't change a thing doesn't change anything if you need prayer we will pray over you we we just don't we, we 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 like to do that in an intimate setting amen uh just by ourselves and and if you uh if you want to join our church listen we don't sing four stanzas and kill everybody to get one person down here all right anybody been to a church where they added a stanza just in case
1: <laughs>
0: we don't do none of that Listen, if you want to join our church, man, we, all we ask is you come down here and fill out this sheet, and we'll just have a conversation. Simple, no ten-week class, right? Amen. Um, if more importantly, if you don't know who Jesus Christ is, and you've never, never said with your mouth, in fact, will you lead that? So, as pastor, do we, do we, do we, do we see? Pastor D prays church. He'll pray Romans 10 over you. All you got to do is accept him. Just with your mouth, you confess Jesus. Not your sin. Confess Jesus as your Savior. and Believe in your heart. God raised him from the dead. And instead of doing that, man, we just, if you haven't done that, you don't have to come down. Sometimes you might be afraid to come down. The Bible doesn't say come down to the front of the church, does it? Nope. You can do it right where you're standing. You can just repeat after Pastor Dwayne as the Holy Spirit speaks to him. And the Bible says you shall be saved. You shall be saved right where you are. And then we can talk about it. If you made that decision, find me after church. Find Pastor DeWan after church, and let, and let's just rejoice together. It's not going to be one of those things. Are you sure? Did you hit all the sins? Right? We got we got time for that. Listen, we're hungry. You, you, listen, you you just come and tell us, man. We'll love on you. We'll rejoice with you. Basically, it's going to be giving you a hug, saying welcome. Amen. Amen. Did you need me? Are you trying to tell me to wrap it up? My wife just time checked me. She time-checked me. (laughs) Go ahead, Pastor D. Sorry. Oh, gosh.
2: You see what I got to follow? Every week. Every week. (laughs) Come on, let us pray. Father God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for giving us hearing, ears, and hearts to receive your word. Thank you, Father, for the truth that was poured out. Uh, In the midst of your people today, Father, we thank you for all that you are to us. Thank you for revealing yourself. Thank you for God giving us the truth. Father, your word said it's the truth that we know that makes us free. And Father, your word also says that he who the Son sets free is free indeed. Father, it's our prayer, it's our desire that every person that heard your word today got a glimpse of who you really are and a glimpse of what you've done through your Son, Jesus. Your word says as we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, then we are saved. It's as simple as that. There's no need to complicate it. And so, Father, I thank you for giving each and every one of us, Lord, faith, the opportunity, and the ability to trust you and to receive all that you have done for us, all that you have given. You have given us the great supper. You've given us Jesus. Jesus. And Father, we declare today that we receive him. We don't reject your gift. We don't reject your love. We don't reject your kindness. But God, we receive it. What is it that we have that we could give to you other than our faith, our trust? You are our confidence. You are our hope. And so, Father, we just bless you and we thank you. Now, God, I speak blessing. Over every person in this this place, every household that is represented, every man, woman, boy, and girl, I speak life. I speak health. I speak healing. I speak strength and encouragement. Thank you, Father, for equipping us with your word today, with the gospel, the good news. Let us leave this place full of joy, full of faith, full of hope full of encouragement, having been edified and built up a spiritual house. Thank you, Father, for dwelling with us and dwelling in us by your Holy Spirit. Thank you that as we leave this place, Father, you order our steps. You lead us and you direct us in a way that only you can. Thank you for being a God who is faithful and for being a God who can never fail. Thank you for making all things work together for our good, We bless you. We thank you. We honor you. We worship you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Let the church say amen. 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 We are dismissed.